Thank you so much for being here on the next episode. Learn, grow, do, repeat with Jamie Tatino. Look, I created this podcast to be able to give back, connect with like-minded people, people like you, people like me, who are out there chasing those goals, chasing those dreams and turning them into a reality. Be sure to like, comment and share at the end of the episode. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Again, thank you for being here. Let's get into it. Hello, hello, and welcome to the next episode, Learn, Grow, Do, Repeat with Jamie Tatino. Now, today we have something a little bit different. We've got a guest uh, joining us via Zoom, but in an industry that we've never had before. So I'm generally uh, really keen to learn some more about how all these events and festivals and all this musical stuff happens. Just a quick disclaimer, I've personally never been to a festival, so I've got questions that are probably real basic answers, um, and it's probably going to be a lot of things that really blow me away. Uh, but we have... We have someone who has successfully won the bid to bring some major international music events to Australia and then turning them into multi-city events across the country. Uh, a well-respected guy in the venues, entertainment industry with his leadership credit direction uh, and his hands-on style to bring ideas to life on the biggest platforms. Uh, and also in 2016, he was recognized as a music feeds uh, as achiever and one to watch in the music and events industry. We have Travis Gretsch. How are you, buddy? Mate, what an intro. I think... Um... Welcome. Mate, who's that person? That's, he, he sounds great. I want to hire him. <laughs> He's right here on the other side of the camera to me. How are you, buddy? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, doing really well, thanks. We're going to get stuck straight into rapid fire. Uh, so it's some quick questions followed by some very quick answers. Yep. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Favorite song right now? Shit. Uh, pass. No, this is not, you know, Sale of the Century or this is not... Uh... <laughs> I don't even know my favourite song right now. Oh, to be honest, I don't know. I'm not really listening too much. Give, me, give me something. Give me something. Just I something. Anything to do with Drake, you know, a bit of love. Drake, yeah, true, true, true. All right, cool. Favourite song to get you pumped up? Um, ooh. Anything from Disclosure. Like, I really love those guys and just like a little bit of mood chill and sort of thing, anything like that. So I, I listen to like a... Anything on a Spotify list at the moment, just like yeah. this. Yeah. Random stuff. All right. This one here's I've thrown in specially just for you. Favorite song to play at a club slash event. Ooh. If the crowd needs a G up, if you want to just, you know, you want to play your I've tune. I've always loved like Afrojack Takeover Control. Like yeah. I think like I guess in the Swedish House Mafia, old school kind of stuff. Um, you know, does it, always, does it always get a result? Like does that always get the crowd like G'd up? Yeah, I guess like anything that a, a crowd knows is like yeah. a sing-along chant, hands in the air. What, what's that um, Swedish? Uh, is it Don't You Worry Child? Yeah, I mean yeah. like you know, that gets get played, you know, I guess a lot of sets. Even we've played it at multiple shows that we've done and it's just, okay, it's just a good feeling emotional. I guess, totally, totally, totally. Favourite movie? Favourite movie? Ooh. Mate, favourite movie? Ah. Oh. I was going to say Titanic, but... I like that movie, bro. That's a fucking sick movie. <laughs> you know, Wolf of Wall Street, you know, I guess things that, like, you kind of, like, I guess relate to, but I guess, like, I don't know, that was a really cool movie, wasn't it? So, Wolf of Wall Street was pretty full on. That's yeah. for sure. Favourite book? Favourite book. To be honest, I don't really read that much, but I guess if you want to call, like, favourite book that's turned into a movie, I mean, I, I love Harry Potter, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair, fair call. Fair call. Your go-to meal? Matt Pasta. Pasta? Can't, can't live without it, especially mum's pasta. So, oh, 100%. 100%. Getting day the week. Favorite TV show? Mate, to be honest, right now, I'm loving Lucifer. You know, I, Lucifer. Uh, yeah, Lucifer on Netflix. It's like this, I guess, demon kind of show, which is a little bit different. 
off center, but um, you know, I love that. You know, that, that's pretty good. I'm, I'm into that at the moment. Lucifer. All right, all right. <laughs> Your biggest celebrity slash sporting idol growing up. Um, I mean, I'm a Geelong supporter, so ah, there you go. You can't go past, I guess, you know, Gary Ablett growing totally. up, listening, you know, watching, totally. and you know, I guess that kind of era. So yeah, I guess he he was my like my hero. Totally. Yeah, Did you def- play? Yeah, I used to play. I used to play juniors, play seniors. Fortunately, I didn't make it to the big league, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I love football, love passion. You know, still hundred percent. Totally, totally. Back up. To it's, it's it's honestly great that uh, it's on every night at the moment. Uh, Mate, well, until like, last night. It's amazing. Like I actually jumped on KO just because it's just like me too. <laughs> me too. So did I. I was like, man, I'm getting KO, and I'm watching the F1, watching the footy, watching more sport than ever. It's great. Uh, one thing you hate or dislike, and you can't say coriander. Um, chili. Hate chili. Chili. Okay. Okay. Funniest or craziest thing you've done? Mm. Funniest or craziest thing I've done? I haven't really done anything so crazy. I mean, throwing a festival is probably something crazy. <laughs> I was going to say, that's pretty fucking epic. <laughs> um, but like, I've never really bungee jumped or anything. But yeah, I guess like doing something like that. Yeah, that's probably my crazy. Okay. Totally. A book or audio book? Um, audio at the moment. Summer or winter? Summer. Sum up your mindset in one word. Uh, never ending. <laughs> never ending. Yeah. Proudest moment personally and proudest moment in uh, business? Uh, I guess the proudest moment personally was, I guess, like, I guess doing a music festival, but then having my parents come. Um, yeah, nice. To like, you know, spend the day with me at Ultra and the VIP experience and stuff like that. I guess that's probably like my ultimate kind of thing too. So, but I guess, yeah, if you want to put them toe to toe together, it was, it was pretty cool kind of walking mum and through and seeing through, through uh, you know, months of prep and months of getting it all together. Yeah, I guess like old school kind of like if you want to call it old school mentality, old school wogs, not really 100%. understanding, you know, what, what I do or what it is that goes mm, on. But mm, I guess mm. them coming to the music festival and enjoying it and then, you know, being around all these VIP celebrities and people taking photos with them. and <laughs> was, um, yeah, was, Oh, you're Travis's fun. parents. Oh, my God. Can we get a photo? photo <laughs> <laughs> with you. Was, uh, yeah, yeah totally. that was cool. Love it, love it. Tell us something about you, Travis, that no one knows. Um, tell us that nobody knows. Um, nobody knows. Mate, to be honest, I just love being at home with the dog, um, like chilling out with my friends, my family, my partner. Um, just, you know, downtime is like really important to me. Um, you know, what goes on on weekends or late at night, you know, on your social media isn't the person that I kind of am. Yeah, yeah. But I guess like, you know, me just being at home in trackies, you know, eating a pizza <laughs> and just enjoying life, just okay. um, having some downtime. It's just like, yeah, I think it's really important. So, yeah, that's, like, I guess. Has, has that been something probably more through this COVID that you've really lived into, so to say? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit different. I guess this COVID kind of stuff, it's just taken everyone by storm and mm, um, mm. something that I'm not really used to, especially on weekends, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, even, um, you know, nine, ten o'clock, getting ready to go out. Totally. Now, 9, 10 o'clock, I'm in bed. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to call it a night. It's going to be yeah. hard going back to the nightlife. Uh, yeah, like, no. man, definitely. Like, you know, you look at your phone and it's not ringing or someone's asking. <laughs> yeah. There's no photos coming through. Yeah, it's, I love uh, it. Yeah, different. different yeah, ones. definitely. Definitely. Uh, what's, your, what's your biggest pet hate? Just something really small that just gets you. Um, my biggest pet hate? Ew. I guess just the work ethic. Um, of like, like we get a lot of people coming through wanting to work and I guess understanding of what we do and it's like it's not a nine to five totally kind of job yeah. and I'm, I work late 
um, you know, the day kind of starts at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning kind of thing and then goes mm. to 7, 8 o'clock. So I guess, you know, I'm the kind of go, 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 go. So I guess if I want an answer and I'm just chasing, chasing. So I guess, you know, just the work ethic of things and just, yeah, I guess as people kind of go on, the mindset changes of what the industry is. 100%, 100%. Yeah, yeah. What's your greatest failure that ended up being your best lesson? Um, my greatest failure would probably be like, I guess, giving up. I used to skateboard, which is, I think no one really kind of knows. Okay. I used to skateboard with my cousin. And like, we, I was like, you know, as a junior, skateboarding, winning sponsorships, doing this. Oh, wow. You know, doing some crazy stuff. And then I just kind of stopped. And um, I look back on life and I think, well, I wonder what I would have been if I continued mm. skateboarding. You know, I did it for like eight years or, or whatever it was as like a junior. Yeah. Riding around, you know, can't go past, you know, the gates at home, you know, stay in the <laughs> yeah. um, creative with that space. I love it. Yeah. And I guess um, me and my cousin used to skateboard every weekend, every day after school. And, you know, I guess oh. learning those achievements, like getting that kickflip, you know, learning that certain kind of trick and taking totally. so long to do, but, you know, jumping off stairs and jumping on rails. And then I think when I turned 18, found nightlife, got a car. Totally. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess if I look back now and I wish, you know, things changed, I guess that would have been it if I wish I just could continue doing it. And Well, like you said, who knows where it could have led you. Even the next Tony Hawk from Australia. Oh, you know, these guys are traveling the world, endorsements, money, life. It's 100%. 100%. Yeah. No, love it. Love it. If you could uh, choose to have lunch with any one person in the world, past or present, dead or alive, you've got a two-hour time limit, who would it be? Mm. That's a good one. I guess, like, if you look now, like, I guess, you know, entrepreneurs and all that, you know, you know your Mark Zuckerbergs and all these people mm. you can kind of pick minds to now. Mm. But I guess on a music kind of level, I mean, I love Michael Jackson and I think, like, he's an artist that I never... 100%. Um, I guess just his music, his mindset and what he kind of did and just, yeah, I guess just that's that's next level stuff. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. Then you get someone like mm. Tupac, you know what I mean? Like, just True. Like, Straight up gangster, kind of just, like, hang, yeah, just hanging out with them. Like, how, how do they live life? Like, what are they thinking about? How do they think? Like, what do they do? Yeah, it's just yeah. like a day to day kind of life. Mm. Like, kind of like next level, but the, but the real day to day, not what you see on you know, fucking MTV cribs and shit. Like, the real day to day, yeah. I mean, look, what, what goes on, like, you know, a recording studio session, this, yeah, the moment you wake up. I mean, a lot of people don't understand because you know, these celebrities and I guess musical artists, they're people like myself and you. Correct. The they live up, they have their breakfast, they do their thing. Obviously, mm. like, like their life to a degree isn't like ours. Like they can't walk out their front door without Spot on. paparazzi, this and that, which is we can walk out the door five kilometers at the moment. And I'll break like, Yeah, I mean, like I've always, I've dealt with some celebrities and stuff when I was at Marquee in Sydney and I guess mm. their entourage coming through and their security doing their walkthroughs and doing things before an artist even steps foot in the venue. It's a little bit different and I guess you've got to understand, you know, the back doors, the paparazzi, what goes on. So I guess having to live in like a life of like a celebrity on kind of that kind of level, what is it like? Totally. I've always kind of like delved into it a little bit, but like what is it, you know? Like yeah. Well, even some of what you just said there, like how the, like just how much effort goes into before an appearance happens. People just think people just turn up, they come through the front door, but like by what you just said there, it's probably days if not weeks and way before that these things are organised. Yeah, I mean, a funny story was like we did Drake at Marquee and I think that was probably one of my biggest high-level kind of artists. So he did his show in Sydney and then we did his after-party show at, at Marquee in Sydney and his security, just the walk through, the plan, the timing, 
Like yeah. these guys are professional, next level stuff. Yeah. You know, the, moment, the car needs to arrive at a certain time. It needs to be this. The lift needs to be down on this. The walk path needs to be this. The certain drinks, a certain bartender. Like it's just, you know, at the end of the day, these are high level celebrity music well, artists. Drake. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you're doing with a security guard that's like 10 foot tall. Um, <laughs> and it's just, you know, they've got multiple security guards, you know. Totally. And, um, you know, I guess that's the life that they live, you know, like everything. It's just, you know, it's just a, it's scheduled to the T. Everything's scheduled to you know minute here, minute there, and there's pretty much hardly any downtime. Yeah. Um, but man, that's crazy. I want to definitely talk more about that. Some of those sort of events yeah, that you did, cool. for sure, for sure. Uh, what was ten-year-old Travis like? Man, football. I used to love breathing. No, like I guess there was no fear in life. Just I was the most happiest kid growing up. You know, we didn't have much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the normal kind of just a house. My two brothers. Mum and dad, it was a, you know, a good life that we all kind of lived and, you know, mum and dad kind of worked really hard and then it was on weekends. It was like, you know, they were working still. Um, but I guess just, yeah, I was just happy. Just, just a normal it. happy kid, just enjoyed life, played football, skateboarded. Um, no fear, no nothing, isn't it? It's just... At that life. age, yeah. But what else is there? You just you yeah. watch footy all the time and just tell yourself one day I'm going to be an AFL player. Yeah. One day you're going to be traveling with Tony Hawk and that's all that matters <laughs> until shit starts to get real. <laughs> you know? um, nah, love it. Last question in rapid fire. Uh, what's one skill, trait, quality uh, that you would see sort of across your closest five friends, five acquaintances? Uh, and that's what, something that's really important to you that you hold closely to you. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, trust. Trust is like a, a big thing for like, I guess my little circle, obviously, you know, yeah, we have a, we, everyone's got a lot of friends, but I guess, you know, I've always said, you know, you can count your five friends on, on your hand kind of thing. Mm, but ones mm. that, you know, if something was to go wrong, you pick up the phone, they'll pick up no matter what. Yeah. Um, and I guess, yeah, I guess trust is like a big thing for me, you know, like, like with everything, you know, you break someone's trust and, you know, like it's now hard, no one really has time on this now. But I guess from myself and my close friends in circle, it's always our trust, you know, our bond, our, you know, our, our calls and, you know, we have a great friendship. But I guess if you want to call a key word, I think it's, Trust. Yeah, good, good, good. Well, that's rapid fire. Well done. Uh, <laughs> it starts off really quick and it slows down a bit, but that's awesome. Um, love it. I didn't actually know you skateboarded, so that's sick. I, yeah, used, to be a, I, I used to be a massive Tony Hawk fan. I used to play PlayStation, Tony Hawk game. Yeah. Like me and my cousin, same thing. We used to, we, I could never skateboard. I think I've skateboarded like once in my life. And I think I fell, so I was like, never yeah. again. <laughs> um, but look, man, I want to ask you a quick question before we get stuck into the story. What's the number one thing that you've learned about yourself during COVID? Um, during COVID, I mean, yeah, it's one thing I've learned about myself, I guess I haven't stopped and I guess it's, you know, kind of like myself and everything I've ever done is I haven't kind of stopped. I've kind of looked up, mm. I guess, new ways, new ventures, new ideas, new mm. business things. And yeah, I mean, it's been tough, you know, I'm not going to lie and say it's been happy and, and you know, glorified and anything yeah. in any way. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah if I was to look at something, I guess it's kind of like, yeah, just never haven't stopped. And I guess it's kind of like, if I look back and moving forward, you know, post this next year, I'd kind of be a little bit, you know, I've been happy to know that I haven't stopped. Or I haven't been just yeah, sitting good. on the couch and just doing this or nothing. So yeah, I guess that's kind of where that yeah, is. Good, good. I guess you sort of use the time for what it was to the best of its capabilities. Like you didn't in a way waste it. You're still trying to, you know, grow, open new things, do new things, expand your mind uh, and get out there and try, you know, and start getting ahead of what the, industry might look like um where did it all begin like how did events festivals music how did that begin like i know you said you're you know footy and skateboarding until 18 then 
what, what, how did you transition into bring, running some of the biggest events and festivals in Australia? Yeah, so when I was like kind of younger, I mean, I've always had a passion, I guess, for music growing up. My dad was, I guess, uh, in a band, like obviously Greek weddings, my thing, <laughs> all the European stuff. So maybe I get my music love from dad. But um, yeah, yeah. I guess like school, like I had, you know, two older brothers that were, I guess, very educated in school, school smarts. And yeah. I guess school really wasn't for me, but I could have a conversation. I could sell, you yeah. know, I could talk to someone, you know, the teachers used to always say to my parents at interviews, is the gossip, you know, all he wants to do is <laughs> about everyone and stuff like that. So I guess, you know, when I kind of finished school, I wasn't sure which direction I really wanted to go to. To be honest, I wanted to be a wedding planner. A wedding planner? I, yeah, like I thought, you know what, I guess, you know, weddings are a good way to make money. They're never going to end. I could sell, you know. Like, totally. You know, it was, it was good, you know. It was, it was kind of like, I guess, a little passion. And then I did like, I guess, um, I did some dual diploma. I did a dual diploma in event and venue management um, nice. and a music business kind of degree just continue going on yeah but i guess when i was 18 i just started going clubbing just as a normal patron mm, just mm. started going out and i just I, loved I it. Mm. and i thought you know what this is cool you know i made a lot of friends quickly um and then i started going to chases on chapel yep. street yeah and um happened to be martha who's the owner and still is the owner martha and um she came up to me one day and said hey you know you know, a lot of people here, do you want a job? And I said, job? Like, what are you doing in a nightclub? I had no idea about anything. Um, I thought you just open the doors, put the music on. Yeah, totally. And that's it. She's like, oh, we'll, we'll pay you $2 per person for every person that you bring in and have some drink cards and, and this is great. And, you know, be the face of the club to a certain degree. And I said, awesome. Like, I'm already here. Yeah, totally. I'm already here. I may as well get a couple of dollars for it. Yeah, this, this is awesome. And then... Yeah. You know, I guess $2 became like $100 a week and $2, $200 a week. And I guess as time goes on, like I started learning the back end of the office, what happens mm. at a nightclub. You know, it's not just, hey, we open the doors on the weekend. It's the stock ordering. It's the, the promotions, the marketing. I guess right. Facebook, MySpace, Instagram, nothing was around. There was no social. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was always like, how do I get these people in using my guest list? You know, how do people say <laughs> so, I didn't have any money back then. I was like 18, 19. I had yeah. a $30 prepaid phone. <laughs> um, so what I did was I used to go around the club and just getting people's numbers every night at the club, just go around, talk to people, put in my phone. And basically Martha used to open up the door for me on Saturday during the day. And I used to call everyone from Chase's landline because I couldn't afford it to make sure they were coming in and use my phone wow. my number, and use my guest list. Wow. So that kind of just went on and on. So I didn't have any money. But I used to talk. Totally. I used to get everyone's numbers at the club, walk around, not trying to pick up chicks or whatever it is. I just used to, I want to use my guest list. Hey, I had the lanyard on. <laughs> hey, I'm the host. And that went over a period of time. And 200, you know, $100 a week all of a sudden became $1,000 a night, you know. And uh, I, it just kind of just kind of grew on. And I used to like, people used to call me and chases. If you weren't in by 10 or 11 o'clock at night, you weren't going to get in. It was just wow. the number one club on Chapel Street. It, yeah, was, yeah. it was happening. I guess that's how I built my network. I guess car bombing, handing out flies on cars with my guest yeah, list, yeah, flies, handing yeah. out, you know, walking in the street in the rain, handing out flies, you know, use my guest list, use my guest list. Wow. I guess that's kind of like the hustle of mm. you know, what it was back then to kind of, I guess, you know, you're competing against other promoters and other hosts and stuff. But I guess, I'm, you know, I, I owe a lot of credit to Martha. Everyone thought she was my mum. But, um, you know, I called her mum because she, you know, taught me a lot. She was like a lot hard work ethic, you know, the hustle Amazing. and bustle. Um, especially when you've got a multi-million dollar business going on and you're competing against other clubs and other things going on. Yeah. So, 
it was great to kind of learn of what kind of went on. I guess I club hopped a little bit. And then um, Martha gave me, I guess, the first opportunity to go, hey, do you want to run your own events? And I said, wow, like, I guess let's run your own night at Chasers. You know, it was a one-off event. It was Ministry of Sound Transnation. Wow, yeah. And um, I thought, wow, you know, I'm putting my money on the line here. This is crazy. You know, DJs are costing five grand. And, you know, this is like a big thing for me. And I'm like, mm, you know, how mm. am I going to make this money? And didn't really understand how it all kind of worked. But, you know, it was a full house night. It was great. You know, I made a couple of grand. I never made that much money in all my life. And I thought, you know, this was the best thing. Mum and dad couldn't believe it. They're like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, yeah. are you doing? And yeah. What's going on? Like, you doing on you, the weekends? Totally. Yeah, how do you make $1,000 in one night? And I took mum and dad down to the club and showed them, introduced them to Martha. And wow. you know, kind of understood because no one could really understand, I guess, that work ethic. Mum and dad worked 40 hours a week, made 500 bucks, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, totally you're doing this in one night but i guess it's a different mindset of 100%. not just doing that one night you're doing stuff during the week and i kind of understood mm. this is what mm. goes on like yeah it's, yeah it's locking in birthdays it's the hustle and this making sure your guests get locked in calling like on a saturday i was calling everyone and go actually use my guest list and this and that call me i walk into the front and i guess once you do that for once they call you consistently calling correct, back. correct. Yes. it's a relationship man you build that relationship with them Exactly. And it's like real estate, isn't it? You sell someone's house yeah, and yeah, yeah. go buy them or whatever industry it might be in. Like, you know, I call people, if someone does things on a print, you know, it's a last minute thing. Hey, I need a print job. I always go to that one guy who always looks after me because he Correct. works at eight o'clock at night. He knows I'm doing that. It's just, mm. that's, that's what it is, isn't it? So you've got, you've got your connections. You know, the people that you can rely on uh, from that perspective to get shit done. Uh, but, but I love the fact, like you said there, it's like a couple of things out of that was like, you know, it's not just that Saturday night. It's not just the Friday night. It's the Monday yeah. to Thursday coming up with the campaigns, coming up with the ideas, coming up with the guest list, coming up with whose birthday is it? What DJs we're going to have? What's going to be our message this week? Uh, and then, yeah, Saturday getting in there and just ringing. I couldn't imagine how many hundred people, um, yeah. you know, obviously it would have started smaller and smaller and all of a sudden you're ringing hundreds and hundreds of people. But even just to have that mindset to think I've got to build a database without even actually thinking about it like that. Well, yeah, I, I didn't even know what a database was. Like, like, totally, yeah. Well, your, your mobile phone was the most valuable thing you had in your life. You had all those names and numbers on there. Definitely. You know? yeah. um, that's incredible, man. But yeah, definitely. It was just, um, it was a different mindset back then. And I guess it was different ways to try and reinvent the wheel because mm. no, there was no social media. So totally. how are people going to come down, use my guest list is, is different. And then, do, you do you think it's easier now? Sorry, I know you're about to keep going, yeah. but just one second. Do you think it's easier now on or easier then to gain like with social media or without social media? I mean, like, without social media, it was more loyalty. Yeah, like, okay. You know, you had those people that would call you up. I had their names yeah. and numbers. I knew their faces. Yeah. I knew their friends and people. Whereas nowadays, I guess it's mass marketing, mass message. 100%. And yeah. you, don't know, yeah. you don't kind of know. I mean, there's a lot of key promoters that still work for me personally that do a great job and have their close networks and walk outside, walk their guests in. Yeah, nice. And the guests build that one-on-one -on -one mentality that they know that can come to the club at any time yep. and still get looked after, which is yep. so important. I mean, 100%. you're out at a restaurant and you go, hey, you know what, I want to go to that club later on. Oh, I know this person. I'll call him totally. up. He comes totally. out after you. Yeah. That's what, it's a hospitality industry, isn't it? You know, we're in hospitality. People 100%. forget that basically it is hospitality. Yeah. When you yep. go to a fine dining restaurant, when you walk in, you pay for that service, don't you? It's you the experience. It's the experience, man. Yeah. And it's I guess some people forget about that. And I guess, you know, mm -hmm. we're trying to always, you know, 
every night that we do or every festival or whatever it might be or every because we do a lot of weekly clubs you know we have our meetings beforehand and of course you know, we want to ensure that everyone has a good time yeah, you know, yeah. From the, moment, the girls are smiling at the front door this is happening and you know it's just that flow on effect isn't it yeah, good. It, yeah good point like i said it's that relationship you, you that guy who thinks of you when he's at dinner he's now brought five people two people ten people with him those people say, well, that, that we got treated like royalty here and they're, they're great people. I'm going to come back in two weeks' time with my other group of fans. All of a sudden, you'd be standing that network from one That's to ten. Awesome. It has that following effect every week. Spot, so. on, spot on. No, I love it. So then, so obviously, yeah, you ran your first event, Ministry of Sound. Then what? Did it just sort of like, well, I want more of this? Yeah, I loved it. You know, I wasn't really... I was still doing my schooling in between and still understanding about, I guess, the back end and stuff and learning about, I guess, you know, how events are kind of run and, I guess putting like procedures in place and understanding that there is a corporate world out there as well. It's not totally. just, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and I guess just really kind of understanding that. Um, but I guess with this industry, it's more experience than mm. actually pen and paper, which kind of just really, cause I wasn't really good on about pen and paper. I guess you put me in front of an exam. I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't totally. understand it, but yeah. experience pen and paper on understanding and learning from your mistakes. Correct. That's kind of what it was. And then I did that for a fair few years. And then um, I got an opportunity to do uh, work at Marquee Sydney as the yep. programming manager. So Marquee, I guess, is it's the Las Vegas nightclub of the world. Totally. The group is all over the world. You know, they've got restaurants, you know, venues, nightclubs. And, you know, I guess this to me, this was like in nightclub world, this was like the shit. This was totally. like... Super you know, mm. Yeah. So I knew there was an opportunity going up. Um, Timmy Trumpet, which is a good friend of mine, basically did an introduction when one of the guy uh, from the US was leaving after they'd just come in. And I just left my previous kind of job. And basically, I was like, wow, this is an opportunity to kind of do it. And I flew myself to Sydney. Um, I met with the guy, Tim Waugh, who was the marketing director at the time. And I said, hey, I want this job. You know, he's like, well, who are you kind of thing? And I said, mate, I want this job. You know, Timmy did the introduction and kind of had one or two dinners. And then I guess the initiative of just flying up, totally. you know, like I guess took them like, who's this guy? And they've heard of me a little bit. And I guess they did their research and stuff. And I said, Hey, I want this job. I was on their back. I'm happy to move to Sydney. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah went through the process of interviews because obviously being a casino and obviously a major group, mm. got the job, you know, within like, oh, yeah. years, you know, I was like, didn't think I was going to get it, but Hey, Trav got a phone call. You got the job. And two weeks later, I was living in the casino for a month while I was trying to find a place. So yeah. Um, I was the programming manager there for just under four years. And I guess that was just a different world. That was like, I learned so much from, I guess, Noah and the Tau Group and obviously Marquis Sydney and just how they do things. And the way they do things is just next level. You know, they've really got it down pat on, you know, I would say Noah, who's like Noah Teppenberg is his name. He's the owner of one of the owners of Marquis. And he's got like, I guess, 10 venues thousands of staff, if not more, I don't know how many venues they've got worldwide. And I guess his work ethic was if you sent him an email within five minutes, he'd reply back. And I'm like, I'm just a little guy and a little fish doing totally. a little club in Sydney. Well, not a little club, but so, yeah. a little role. But he's taken the time out to answer my question straight away. And I guess he kind of taught me the work ethic. Mm. No matter what it is, if you've seen it and you can reply, you reply then and there. 100%. Business doesn't stop. Yeah. And I guess his work ethic was you can, the moment you can make money while you're sleeping, that's when you've made it kind of yeah. thing. And I'm like, yeah. I've always wanted, as I'm kind of growing in life and really on different ventures and stuff, that mindset that he's kind of taught me of like, I want to be able to sleep mm. and make money, whatever it is. 
Totally. Oh, 100%. Yeah, whatever revenue stream it is. Yeah, definitely. Revenue stream of that. And I guess that more so is like, you know, he was my mentor for those four years. I looked up to him. We spoke highly. We know when he came down to Sydney, we hung out a lot and he taught me so much. And I guess just seeing what he kind of created, which was the same kind of work ethic that I had at the start, you know, just mm. the hustle and bustle, which is mm. kind of easy with it. Mm. But yeah, just, I guess, learning about different traits. And I've kind of taken that upon board about that now. And, you know, I guess my partner, Steph, you know, she's like, oh, you're always on your phone, always on your phone. But I guess as these events kind of lead on and doing things, if someone's taking the time out. 100%. Yeah. Email me or message yeah. me. Yeah. Bang, I reply back. 100%. I reply back. Yeah. And it just kind of moves things along really quickly. Totally. I guess, especially in what we do, different time zones. Yes. You know, we do True. Yes. Five, whatever it is, we do the Good day call. job. But especially when we're doing stuff overseas, and I guess a lot of promoters and a lot of industry crew kind of know this, when they wake up, it kind of takes on again. Yeah. You work until yeah. 12 o'clock at night until yeah. you know, what it is their time. Whatever it is, yeah. Because if you miss that day, you're competing against other offers, other shows, other yeah. things going on. So if another promoter puts another offer in, you know, you know what, I'll reply tomorrow. Bang, you've lost the time. Yeah. Agents move really quickly. You know, it's just, um, well, like you said, it's business, it's the world. Like if you have, especially on these, on this scale with this sort of, you know, this sort of money on the line, they're not going to want to wait a day or two for some guy to reply saying, you know, what color should we have? Or, you know, are you, in, are you in or you're out? You know, like it needs to move, move quick. I love what you said about the marquee there as well. It's like how much, so far, you know, like you said, your first, what was the one, of, one of the things you hate at the start or dislike was the, the work ethic, the mindset towards it. And I can sort of understand now why, because you're on the complete other side of that. Yeah. You're like, I will go out in the rain and give you flies. I will walk around with a mobile phone with $30 credit and take as many numbers as possible. I will yeah. fly to Sydney for a job interview and they don't even know who the hell I am. Don't even email them, don't even ring them, just turn up and say, hey, here I am. Yeah. That's, that's the difference, man. Like, that's what what i believe so far this is what's giving you the, these great results is you putting yourself out there not waiting for someone to call you and say hey well there's, there's all these things happening do you want to come and sell it out you went and got him yourself yeah um, i think, I I think you know anything in life like i mean you've got to put it out there and you just got mm. like my mind doesn't stop like sometimes it's my worst enemy yeah, like, yeah, not, yeah. Not last night so the night before it was just i couldn't sleep it was just thinking a million, million things. It just doesn't stop. And it's like, sometimes it's your best friend and I guess sometimes it's your worst enemy. Totally. But I guess totally. If, you, if you want something in life, I think you just got to go out and get it. 100%. You've got to put it out there and just go, you know what, I've got to keep thinking about it and just putting it out there. How am I going to get it? The, the right connections will come around, the right opportunities will come around, but it starts from the prior where you're like, okay, cool, this is the direction I want to go. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you love something so much, you just, like with anything, you just got to keep going. And I see so many people like, kind of give up a little bit you know yeah. it's hard mm. it's, it's not for everybody yeah don't get me wrong like yeah. being out every single weekend to all hours of the morning sometimes it's good but sometimes it's like you know it does put, it puts a lot of strain on your body 100 you okay, percent. and it's it's if you make if you want to make that choice if that's the lifestyle you want to live if that's a career you want to go down well that's just what's part of the job role yeah get used to it don't tell mm-hmm. them to run nightclubs during the day that's why they're called <laughs> nightclubs because they're fucking at night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you don't like the late nights, early mornings or what you have to do, then go and get a new career. Hey guys, Jamie here. I know you're loving this episode, but it's a really quick question. Have you ever wanted to own your own business but just didn't really know where to start? Uh, maybe you've also thought about franchising. If that's you, I want you to check out the Real Food Vending website. If you're looking for a, a platform that provides community, a proven model with systems and structures, it's flexible, it's innovative. Most importantly, have some fun along the journey. I want you to check out our website www.realfoodvending.com.au Enjoy the rest of the episode. So Marquee, four years. I'm, like you said, you would have learned shitloads while you're there. 
yeah. what was it what was the time like while you're there for you as an as, as a person though like during that time there cool the nightlife would have been i can only imagine incredible like you said you had drake yeah. coming through and so many others but what was it like for you look to be honest it was um i've never moved out of home so that was a new experience literally to go hey you've got a job we need you here next week kind of thing so i literally packed up my bags mom dad going to sydney Catch you know, mm. what, what, what do you mean you're going to sydney you're like hey, i've got the job yeah it was amazing it was exciting times because they knew how much mm. I wanted it, but mm. I've never lived on my own. So that was like, I guess, new experience and trying to find my feet on how it works and cooks and cleans. And <laughs> I guess all that. But I guess during that time, I was still running my Melbourne business. So I was still running my weekly nights. I was still doing my major events. I was still doing a couple of things. So during that time, I did God's Kitchen, which I guess was the next big mm. major event. So I guess that I was my that. I remember that. Festival, mm. festival hall kind of show, which I yeah. did. That was like a 5,000 people show. And then we did wow. um, Melbourne Park, 8,000. So I guess during Sydney, I was still running Melbourne. So I'd finish Sydney while I was doing, during the day was my, my Sydney marquee job and whatever. Come home, eat dinner. And then I was like, I was on my phone doing my Melbourne stuff. So I was running CQ and a bunch of other tours and shows going on. So I was running two cities, two shows. And um, every kind of weekend, I was flying back to Melbourne just to catch up. So Sunday, Monday, every kind of second weekend, Jump, literally finish the club at 6 a.m. First flight out because my dad used to work for Corners. Oh, nice, um, nice. Yeah, yeah I used, to, yeah. Um, I used yeah. to be on staff travel. Yeah, yeah. Um, literally jump on a flight and just, yeah, come back to Melbourne. So 6 o'clock, finish the club, be straight at the airport, my bag's ready to go, fly over to, um, fly over back to Melbourne, do Sunday, catch up with everyone Monday, Tuesday morning, 6 o'clock, back to Sydney. And I did that oh, for yeah. two years, every two weeks. You know, I used to know air hostess by names and checking girls and it was just became a reality. But I guess, you know, another thing talking about hustle is I just didn't stop. Yeah. You know, wow. I guess running Melbourne, running Sydney, just the adrenaline. That's crazy, man. Now, now I get anxious when I go to an airport. I'm like, oh, I've got to check in. I've got to be there. Totally. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but then, then I just didn't care. Like I was just, I was just going. I think, you know, I had the Melbourne stuff going. I had the Sydney stuff going. It was just, I guess they were piggyback off each other as well. Um, mm. The connections and going things. But I guess... You know, running That's crazy, things. man. You know, I'd be on my phone to my partner, Ash, every night while I was running this and running things going on and, you know, miss what I remember. I missed that during the day, try and catch up at night, just continue my Melbourne stuff because I knew Sydney was like never going to be forever. So totally. I, always had to, I always had the mindset, whatever I started in Melbourne, I could not stop doing it. So mm -hmm. I had to continue doing it. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back, it kind of just flowed on. Yeah, definitely. Also, um, Sydney, I mean, was, Sydney was going to be like a stepping stone, sort of say, like a, just a massive growth and knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, that was, that was great. I mean, it was a lot of work and a lot of strain on my body, mm. um, especially flying. But, hey, I loved part it. The, part of the deal. Yeah, I look back now when I talk to my mates or whatever it is. And, um, you know, and Sydney was like the highlight, you know. It was just, it was definitely something I loved and enjoyed. That's for so, sure. So you had, you had Drake there. Who else? Like, what were some other, other big name celebrities? Maybe Drake. You know, anyone you could think of. Like, we did all the stereosonic sideshows, all the future musics, because I guess that were the stuff back then. So that was my favourite two weeks. Like, Every artist on the sun. We did the private yachts. We did the boat parties. We did. Yeah. Um, we did the Nova Red Rooms, and it was just like the glitz and glam. And then I guess we did, you know, with the Nova Red Rooms, we, you know, we had Miley Cyrus. You know, we did a party for her. Um, I had Kevin Hart come in. You know, big fan of him. So I was like, girlfriend totally. Kevin Hart. You know? <laughs> um, but I guess Love yeah, it. every week was just whoever was in town because the relationship with Marquee Worldwide, these guys and these artists and these celebrities know this brand, yep. I guess worldwide over New York, Las Vegas, Singapore, yep. whatever it might yep. be. So they know yep. the relationship. So a lot of times if they're in town, 
I get a call from Noah saying, hey, this person's coming through tonight, look after them, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I guess it's just a different mindset. Sometimes like we had clients on a different level, not a celebrity or a musician, but someone buying a table for 10, 20, 30, $50,000, you know, that's, I've never been used to like bottle service tables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I could never understand, you know, if I had a dollar, I'd keep that dollar and I'd be spilling that I had a dollar, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I could never understand, like, someone is, like, doing $10,000 on alcohol, you know. I was just, like, what is this world? Like, what is this crazy world of bottle service and really getting to understand that? And I guess when we did Marquee, so when we did, when we worked to Ultra, they run something called the VVIP Table Experience. And I guess, you know, people are buying tables for 50 grand, 100 grand for a table. And I'm like, this right. is the culture. You know, this is, this is the culture that I guess the mindset of people coming through or your mates coming mm. through or someone that just has that much disposable money but is just living their life and that's what they love totally. to do. Totally. I, mean, just, I, was like, I was like, different, like, whoa, like someone's spending 10 grand? Like, you know, what is that? That's, just that's on, just on vodka. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's sick. That was one of my favorite parts about America when we went a couple of years ago doing the whole Vegas thing, getting the whole table service. It's just a whole, like, I never experienced it. Like, it's not a big thing here in Melbourne. Um, you know, like to have that sort of experience, but in Vegas, like you said, it's a whole different world how they operate it. Uh, so what? So you were at Marquee four years back and forward, still running Melbourne. Yeah. And then is that when Ultra sort of happened? Yeah, I think you know after Marquee kind of finished, came back um, and did a few things with a few people. Like I joined the team, the good friends of mine, obviously Lucky, mm. um, so Luke, Kieran, and obviously Spags. You know, those guys are lifelong friends and and, and stuff like that. So. Came on, worked with those guys, I think, for a year. And during that process, we were negotiating, obviously, Ultra at um, the same time. So myself and my business partner, Ash, uh, flew over to Singapore. So we came and saw Ultra. Um, went over to those guys, met Russell and Adam from Ultra. And obviously, you know, they've always wanted to bring Ultra here to Australia. But, you know, the timing wasn't right. We had Stereosonic, we had Summer Days, Future Music. Totally. Kind of never the right time for those guys to venture into Australia when, I guess, you got two powerhouse music festivals that mm-hmm. are just... Mm. how do you compete against them that are just totally. so you know obviously stereo sonic kind of finished and i think there was like that little bit of a gap in the market um for us to kind of look at ultra and you know that was a kind of 12 month negotiation on that wow. like, like ultra it's um it's a franchise it's like i guess you know buying into something like mcdonald's yeah yeah you know, yeah they've got their ways on doing things you know from their artwork to their artists to their marketing team to their sponsorship team to their look and feel and all this kind of stuff so I guess it's not just going, hey, we're going to do a music festival and put some DJs on and, you know, hang some lights and stuff. It's, totally, yeah. You know, our, our team here in Australia is talking to their team and they've got a person in every department. So it was, um, yeah, it was um, a learning curve to just kind of find our feet. Obviously, we did the first one, which was uh, Road to Ultra. Yeah. So there's basically... What, what year was that? 2017. So that was the first one that you guys did? Yeah, so we did Road wow. to Ultra. So it was great to bring the brand in. Obviously, there was so much hype and exposure. Mm. Um, we announced it in Ultra Miami that um, Ultra's coming and, you know, socials blew up and blogs. And it was just like, wow, this is like something that we've never experienced before. And I guess it was so, like, I've seen Ultra for years and years and watched it. And, you know, now to kind of be that, I guess, behind it, it was just totally. really exciting. So, yeah, we did Road to Ultra, nerve-wracking, put it on sale, sold like six, 7,000 tickets in the first kind of hour. What? Yeah, it was just crazy. We were all like in the boardroom at Lucky and it was like watching the stock. Just like <laughs> just fresh, 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 fresh. Yeah, fresh. yeah, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is insane. And um, so we did that and like we did 17,000 people and it was, uh, I think what? it was my music bowl's far, you know, biggest one stage 
because it's only one stage where it's ultra, totally. um, you know, electronic show, biggest show. So um, it was great to see, you know, so much work behind the scenes. You know, we had a huge team and, you know, full credit to our team, I guess. It's something that obviously going from, I guess, 5,000 to 8,000 was our biggest show that, you know, I've done personally to do the kind of something on this kind of level. And like, you know, I guess going to Summer Days back in the day was my first major music festival. And I used to hang up the decor there just to get a free ticket, you know, just to help out yeah. and like work experience. Um, and I've always loved Great. the venue. You know, it's always been like my favorite venue. And I guess mm, mm. when we're looking at Ultra, I was like, hey, let's do the bowl, you know, like totally. it's, it's, it's an, iconic. Uh, iconic. It's, you yeah, know, man. I guess for me personally, it's had that little bit of a soft spot. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to these events for so many years there and, you know, working there behind the scenes and doing all this kind of stuff. But, but um, when, when you say team, like there was a big, like how big is the team? Like how many people are we talking? Yeah, I think there was a core team for about 15. Yeah. You know, if not, maybe more. But I guess from that 15 that's like working on it every day, there's contractors and there's contractors. Totally. So, yeah. you know, it becomes easily 200, you know. And I don't even mean that by a big number because just on the lighting crew, riggers, you know, there's probably about 40%. Yeah, the yeah. bar staff, bump in staff, there's 40, 50, and then there's security. Of, you know, security. I mean, hundreds. There's probably about 500 people when it's all said and done working on day when it's like security, bar staff, front door staff, volunteers. You know, it's a huge kind of team to put together on a music festival, you know, and I guess... That, that's crazy for like a day or two, maybe yeah, a two-day festival, a day festival, whatever it is, you've got to bring all these people in. Definitely. Make it the best possible experience for 17,000 people. You know, and I, I guess a lot of it, like, I guess people that run music festivals, like, you don't enjoy it as much. You know, you probably enjoy the last half an hour, you know, but, you know, you're always on the go. Something, putting spot fires out in every way from, you know, the door's not opening on time or the, something happens <laughs> in the bar. Or, yeah, yeah. The last two years at Ultra, we've always had a production problem. I don't know if we're jinxed, but <laughs> the first year we had something wrong with the door. The second year was like, you know, the door was like, you know, the U wasn't hung properly or we had something wrong. It was just... It's just crazy, you know, things that go on. But that's what I was going to say. Like, what are you doing, like, the day before? And then, look, what happens on the day? Like, how are you feeling? What are you doing? Like, what's the vibe? Because, like, again, like you said, most people just turn up, 17,000 people turn up, walk through the front door, be like, oh, my God, look at this stage. It's all there. It just happened. But for you, obviously, it's months of work. But, like, what are you doing on the day before then? What are you thinking about on the day? Yeah, majority of the time, like, I spend a lot of time on site. Yep. Um, just walking around, talking production, talking to this, talking to this person, whatever, whatever it might be, obviously. We've got the teams, you know, focusing on artists. So flights coming in, accommodations coming in, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I guess from my kind of aspect, you know, what my job role kind of is with project managing, I guess there's a lot of time with like, I guess, police, ambulance, mm. uh, key stakeholders, venue. There's a lot of meetings going on behind the scenes. And I guess ensuring that, you know, that aspect of mm. what's happening, you know, within the venue or... If things are delayed, you know, what's going on here? Do we need more staff here? Like, there's, I guess there's a lot of stuff. I guess, yeah, I'm just consistently walking around. I guess you'll find me at the site probably like the last person there, like a lot of the time, bumping in. Yeah. Um, I guess just being there. I guess it's also just like, I guess, bring it in. in. Like, yeah. the work that you've kind of done. Yeah. Well, that's what I say. Do you get time to reflect? Like, I read that down. Like, do you actually get time to take in what you've just created? Yeah. I mean, definitely do. Like, every show that I do, um, leading up to the events, like I'm always there, the last person. Like I just love being at the site. I love to bump in. I love totally. the experience. I love seeing things come like from stages to come up. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so I guess yeah, I do spend a lot of time by myself just walking. I can't even imagine how many kilometers I walk. But yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, during the events as well, I always take that time out just through half an hour just to walk around and see people and host and just 
just see what you've done. You know, like it's just, I guess there's a lot of things that go on and, you know, for the whole year of work, blood, sweat and tears and stress and everything else goes on. I can imagine. What do you think runs a successful event? Like in your opinion, like what do you think are some key ingredients, key features, key things to cover (laughs) what you do to run a successful, even just a nightclub, like just an event of a nightclub, but then to the scale of, of ultra. Yeah, I think like, I mean, it's your team, isn't it? Mm. I mean, you, it's not a one-person show. This is not like, hey, it's my show. I'm the hero. Totally. It's not. It's it's really like your team is your bread and butter and it's like your backbone yeah. of, of what you do. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got a great core team. You know, putting something like Ultra on and, you know, doing Melbourne and Sydney simultaneously, simultaneously builds and stuff. And I guess, you know, each person's handling their own department totally. and I having the trust in my partners knowing that I don't need to worry about them because they'll do the best job that they can and the best mm. job that they can do mm. in that area. Obviously, if they need hands, obviously we all kind of talk and we've got our WhatsApp groups and all our messages and things going on. But I think like to put something on like this, you definitely need um, a cool team. You definitely need your teammates and your, your key personnel behind you of wanting the same result as you at the end of the day, you know? And if you can trust them, and totally. you can trust people, you know, what's going on. I think that's... that's well, like definitely. you said, if you've got 500 people, like overall team, there's no way like any one or two people can manage that. Like that's that's teams and leaders yeah. and, you know, breaking it down even more. Did you ever think you'd run like a big festival like this? No, I don't think I did. I mean, clubs to me was just great. I mean, I put a thousand people in a club and this was the best thing in the world. And still, you know what? It is still the best thing in the world. Like I love doing the club shows. It's intimate, especially when you got that, when you got say a headline DJ that every, everyone kind of comes to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess it, it's just that feeling. It's just like that that buzz inside you that no one can like. You can't explain that emotion of like totally. that show of of what it is. But yeah, I've, I guess you know, seeing people going to festivals and working at it, it's always been something I'd love to do. Didn't think how I'd ever get here. Yeah. But yeah. Um, now that we're here, it's just um, it's an interesting time now. But, Especially during COVID, it's definitely a little bit interesting and and, and challenging. Yeah. On that topic, what do you think is sort of the future of this industry? Because and we were chatting a couple of days ago about it and just had a, a little quick chat about it. But like things are going to change in a, in a drastic way on many fronts. Yeah. You know, what's your opinion on one festivals and, and all that sort of things, but even just nightlife, even just going out and entertainment and venues and stuff like that. Yeah. Look, to be honest, I'm not too sure. I mean, I know everybody's hanging, like obviously <laughs> you, know, you, you go with a couple of weeks without going to a show or a club and you just like, you want to get out and totally. You know, whatever it is, I'm even. I, get I just want to feel the buzz, feel the vibe, and yeah, yeah. I'm to get back out. But I'm, I'm not too sure. Like, I know, like you know, a lot of nightclub bars, restaurants, everyone's in a really hard spot mm. right now. It's um, you know, not getting any answers, and I guess you know, we're not moving forward. You know, we are moving forward, but we're moving forward very, very slowly. Yeah, we all thought by August would be kind of slowly opening up, and you know, right. we can kind of, you know, we put a plan in place. But now we're reassessing every single plan especially for the clubs, um, you know, being a part of like a, a part owner of Billboard um, with the guys. I know the, not so much myself, but I know the guys are always reassessing every week. How do we get through this time period? Totally. Um, by doing like things, by certain things of, you know, costs and this and that and assessing when we can open. But I'm not sure, like, I guess the measures are, are going to be in place. It's, it's, I don't think anybody one kind of knows. I mean, how do you social distance at a nightclub? How do you enforce that? How do you enforce social distancing at a music festival? I mean, I've seen like different aspects. I think there was something in the UK that kind of went up that everyone's on these little trust podiums and, and stuff like that. But 
it's, it's, it's a little hard, you know, like, I guess, how does it... And what do you temperature, temperature check to everyone? Do they have to sign waivers and say, yeah, I got tested, you know, and I, I you know, don't want to put any responsibility. Like, what do you do? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. I don't think anybody on kind of knows. I mean, yeah, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, for us, we just want to get open. We just want to do things. We want to do things right. I mean, like with every music festival that we do, safety is our number one priority. Of course. Like, of course. we always have a lot of key stakeholder means with police, ambulance, um, dance-wise, which is a voluntary kind of walk around, like they group, they walk around um, the festival and help people and, you know, kind of talk and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, is this going to be a new aspect of, you know, emergency services like the COVID now? Like we spend so much time, mm. effort and money and sometimes we get grilled on like expenses on this. It's just insane. Like of what we do, are they going to put more measures in place, which is going to cost a promoter now to do COVID free safe? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. well. And is, what does that mean? That tickets go up in price? Does that drinks go up in price? Does, you know, does everything go up to cover that? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's a flow-on effect, isn't it? Exactly right. I mean, you know, when I put up our prices, I mean, sometimes, you know, when we put a ticket on for $150, we're like, oh, it's so expensive. But, you know, when you're like seeing a budget of like, say, $10 million for a show and you're seeing something that's costing like X amount of dollars to bring your favourite artist out or 100%. Your production or this or that, you know, Australia is the most expensive country in the world with labor costs and public holidays, mm, you know, mm, I guess mm. hospitality rates. And totally. The list goes on, you know. Yeah, so yeah. Like there were so many rates and stuff that I didn't even knew of. I'm like, <laughs> you know, everyone, there's a public holiday rate, then there's a penalty rate, and then there's this rate, and then there's a fallout rate. And it's like, well, when you were, you, didn't, you just thought, fuck, I'll make $2 a person that comes yeah, in. There is no rates, there is no bonuses. I'm just, about, just, you know, but um, oh, yeah, but I guess. Um, yeah, interesting time, COVID. I guess it's it's sad in one way. I mean, no one ever expected this when we started looking at 2020. Mm. Our calendar was full and it was thriving. And I guess we just finished Ultra and then Formula, the Grand Prix was the week after and that closed down. And it was like, we didn't even know, like we're having a lot of stakeholder meetings um, every day talking about COVID. Like, is this going to happen? Because I think cases it's were... real. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're like, yeah, yeah, like it's happening, but there's more cases happening. We're like, well... Is it happening? Like, we're just having a lot of... Like, I don't think they kind of knew the brunt of it. Totally. I, guess well, like, I don't think no one expected it to go this long, man. And no one expected it to be so impactful to businesses. Obviously, it's the lives as well from the health perspective and, and also from the business perspective of people's financial, you know, life. Yeah, you know, like, uh, it's, it's, it, is, it is a little bit sad. You know, on the events, and this is just a bit of a selfish question personally, like... What can someone expect? Again, like I said, I've never been to a, a festival, so we might have people listening. Have to give you one. Um, but <laughs> what, 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 why? How do you festival? Like, what? What's the difference between a festival and a nightclub? And I sort of know the answer to that. But like, what mm. can some, like, What could I expect from going to a festival that I that I wouldn't get at a nightclub? I guess like it really is about the experience, isn't it? Like you got a multi-stage event, you know, production that is just tenfold of, of like a nightclub, um, and and I guess like that's probably like your biggest kind of thing, I guess. You know, being a part of a thousand people is amazing. Being you know in environment, but I guess being a part of like twenty thousand people and yeah. being in the crowd is like a different kind of level that no one can really really understand. I guess as unless there's the people that are a part of it. Mm. Um, I guess you know the feeling, the sensation when your favorite song comes on, and you got instead of a thousand people, you got twenty thousand people, and I guess jumping up and down, yeah. yeah, the emotion, you know. But I guess you know what I've kind of seen as well is. You know, people make lifelong friends at these festivals. You know, you've got your hubs, you've got your groups, you've got yeah, these definitely. people meeting over this Agreed. hotel and then walking over. You've got international people flying in, making friends. It's, it's, it's a whole new level that, yeah. I guess, mm. international festivals kind of have created. 
I guess if you look at like Ultra, Tomorrowland, all these kind of stuff that are just well-known major, Coachella, well-known major festivals, you know, they do amazing activations and like, you know, central point meeting hubs and, you know, yeah. we're flying in from Australia. And then I guess people create friendships. Totally. People create that new friendship of like, hey, I met you oh. overseas and I met you this festival. And, okay, Coachella's definitely on the bucket list. Absolutely. Yeah, I've never been to Coachella, so it's on, definitely on the, on the list one day. But I guess what they do overseas is completely next level stuff, isn't it? It's just, um, but I guess, yeah, if you want to look at things, what's different on nightclub stuff to festivals, I guess, yeah, the experience, I guess, walking through the big gates, security checkpoints, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess walking through and hearing that sound and not seeing the stage and then obviously maybe walking over a hill or walking around. And then as you're walking through, you just bang. Lights, and it's like, wow. like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, honestly, man, like you sold it to me well. I'm pretty cheated up right now. <laughs> As soon as we get off this call, I'm going to be pumping tunes here in the office. Yeah. Um, um, no, nah, I love it. I love it. For someone wanting to sort of get into the event space, someone wanting to get into the nightclub world, you know, post all this COVID stuff and whatever that might look like, is it really goes back to what you said earlier, like that hustle? Like in today's day and age, you're probably not really going to have to put phone numbers in your phone and stuff like yeah. that. But, but some tips, it might be a 17, 18, 19 year old is like, I generally just want to, I love events. I love music. I want to get into that space what could they do yeah i mean look at any of the big promoters right now i mean that's like i guess doing things i mean there's a lot of the time we do internships and you know stuff like that so i guess starting off something small like you're never going to be this big person straight away or whatever it might be and yeah. you know, you're not going to work on the big jobs or mm. you, know, you might have to do the smaller stuff to get to the bigger stuff to get your head around how it all works but i mean just start off by doing that and i guess learning i mean if you want to do that and that's your niche and that's what you want to do um you know, we work in a great environment and it's fun. You know, it's not corporate kind of world where you have to come, you know, wear this and do this. You know, yeah, we're always five, yeah. yeah, new ways of, you know, we want to, obviously you've got a skill set yourself, you know, whether it's your imaginative mind or your graphic design or your DJ or whatever it might be. And we want to obviously try and bring that out of you, especially looking back now, you know, I'm trying to find the next, I guess, call it myself, you know, the next mm-hmm. new entrepreneur that wants to work in this kind of field that has a skill set that I don't have, Correct. The same school set. I mean, these kids these days are just unbelievable. You know, from tech side to hundred percent. Like, we a lot of kids, young kids, and I'd love to work with more young kids and just try and build up new things, whether it's an apps or this, or trying to find new ways to invent our backend solutions to make things easier. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. what they do these days, it's it's. I look at some kids and I'm just like, fuck, like we we're skateboarding. Just, we we're playing footy and skateboarding. I was playing football and skateboarding, just enjoying life. But yeah. I think you know, making millions of dollars. Like some people, like I love reading about like young entrepreneurs, just totally like a 20 year old kid just invented this. And I'm like, fuck, I thought about that, but I just, I don't know how to do that. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, totally. But totally. yeah, like just, I guess the mindset, isn't it? Just totally. Mate, call us up, do an internship, help us out, like be a part of it. And I guess from that, things grow. You know, we've always worked with people that have worked with us for years and we like working with key people because it's yeah. always hard to find new people and train them. Totally. So, I know the way you like to do, like how you like to operate, how you like to communicate with those quick responses uh, and the style of content that you like, then it becomes so much easier. And like you said, man, like you've got to put the time in. Yeah. You know, what you, you did four years at Chapel Street, four years at Marquee, to then another year here. Yeah. What's that? It's nine years. Yeah. You know, where someone just thinks, hey, I'll go and run a nightclub for half, uh, half a year, then I'll, I'll bring in another music festival. It's like, well... Yeah. Unless you've got some connections that can happen. Yeah, I mean, it hurts. You can have all the money in the world, but... um. Totally, totally, yeah. totally. What, what's the future for you, man? Like, I, I've honestly loved this. Like, this is... I'm learning so much of, like, the... You know, how all these things come together. 
Uh, like I said, I've never personally been, but I'm, I'm a massive fan of music as well. I love concerts. Like that's my biggest thing. Like, I was honest, like you said earlier about Michael Jackson. For me, I, I remember when he passed away, it was like that big 50 event tour was meant to happen. And yeah. I was like waiting for tickets to come out, waiting. Um, and then, yeah, obviously it never happened, but massive fan of music. So I'm really loving, loving this. What's the, what's the future for you, man? Like in the events and musical and, and festival space, but then even outside of that. Yeah, I mean, me personally, um, obviously, we want to continue doing what we're doing on the music on a world and, I guess, potentially tap into different music genres and different ideas and different concepts. Um, you know, I guess I want to delve into a bit more on the marketing, e-commerce kind of side of things, mm. just some side business stuff. Yeah. Um, I think this downtime's really kind of taken a little bit of a different aspect, I guess, on marketing. And I guess really Great. want to delve into that a little bit more on the marketing concept. and in the like, online world. Yeah. yeah, online work and I guess, you know, clothing brand. I'm working with a company called Six Silk and a few other different concepts. Nice. Um, so I guess, yeah, just delving into different ideas. But I guess, yeah, for me personally, I just continue doing what we're doing on the, on the music shows, get back to club world. Maybe even like start from scratch again, isn't it? Like we're just literally going to come out of this, oh, yeah. you know, and just starting from, you know, even tones. And hopefully this time next year, we can talk about music festivals again. And 100%. And as it. you're running them, going through some footage and going through some, some cool artists. Yeah. Well, look, yeah, you hit the nail on the head there, sort of starting from scratch, because you almost will have to, because if this whole, the way we do things is going to completely change. Definitely. So we're going to be starting from ground zero. Literally. Yeah, you got a brand. Yeah, you got some colors and some logos and stuff. But like how you, on the back end, do what you need to do yep. to deliver 15, 20,000 people in one space. For you, what's your long-term goal like from, a, from a festival perspective? Like how many people do you think you can, you can run an event for? Or would you love to run an event for? Um, yeah, you know, I look at back in the old, I guess, stereosonic kind of model, you know, with what those guys did, Richie and Frank, you know, with creating kind of stereosonic and the whole team that was behind them. I guess I'd love to kind of, you know, create a multinational brand that tours Australia over two weekends and hits up Brisbane and Sydney and Adelaide and Perth. You know, yeah. obviously we've done, um, you know, Sydney and I guess uh, Melbourne with Ultra, but I guess I'd love to do a national touring festival. Um, whether those, you know, whether it's a different music genre or whatever it might be, it could be country and Western, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I guess, you know, I'd, I'd love to bring something to Australia. You know, that's, that's kind of like my goal. I'd love to just like, you know, Melbourne City is great, but, you know, I'd love, I'd love, you know, we've done small club shows around Australia, but I guess I'd love to bring the multinational kind of festival. Over it, man. Over Australia. Well, hopefully one day it's your, your festival, it's your brand, it's you and your yeah. team who have put something on and it's, you know, it's, it's Travis's work and, and then that becomes a global thing where people are calling you to bring you overseas um, <laughs> and your brand. Well, that's the goal. Yeah. What's, uh, what's one thing that really blew you away about the event space though? and festivals like what's one thing that you thought wow i didn't think that would be the way it is um yeah i guess i didn't think it'll be that not hard yeah i guess i didn't think it'll be that hard i mean it really is hard i mean project managing something like ultra and overseeing every kind of department and knowing what's going on like i knew like obviously there's so much into it but i guess how much into it is mind-blowing i guess you know, when you're putting a lighting truss up here and it needs to look like this and, you know, have to get a permit for that and just knowing every little detail and just going through yeah. the mindset and, you know, you know, the pages are so long, you know, from itineraries to this, to having a department to look after this, like it, it was really like, I guess, you know, doing, I guess it was a good thing to do smaller ultra doing road to ultra, just really understanding on that bigger level. Yeah. What really goes on like permits and this having get, this needs to be done by, you know, by 90 days out and, putting a permit in for the city of Melbourne, doing this and doing, having this stakeholders meeting. I was just like, whoa, like, 
this is insane. Like it's not just a nightclub. Promotions, marketing, you've got to meet with these people, you've got to do this. It's just, you know, visas need to be done by this. You've got a whole checklist that needs to be done. Like you said, for your guests and accommodation and flights. Do you ever get people like like the flights are delayed or like, you know, DJs or artists don't turn up because of just life? Yeah, shit always happens. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's just, um, you know, artists always worry, always like, oh, is the artist on? Is the artist on? (laughs) They're they're in, they're clear customs. Yep, great. Like, it's just, especially ask any music promoter, getting an artist here or making sure that they jump on a plane is just making sure there's a nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. For you, like, do you have any habits or do you have any things that in, when you're in the flow, when you're in the element, when you're in that, that space of event mode, festival mode, ultras two weeks three weeks one week half a week out but what are some things that you do to one look after yourself but two to make sure that you can go into that event knowing that you've given it everything yeah i think um i mean keeping into like a rest regular habit obviously as it gets closer to you're not like going to the gym or you're not doing this or whatever like i guess your lifestyle kind of is in that aspect or yeah. you know, but i guess you know as it gets as it things kind of momentum i guess it's kind of good to always have a regular mindset a regular kind of routine yep. you know, it's like going to the gym or seeing your friends or going to the movies you also need to keep that mindset of like step away from work otherwise totally. it does eat you up yeah. um yeah. You know, through, you know it's, it's got habits you know especially like someone like myself where my mind doesn't stop and go mm. i'm laying in bed and i'm like fuck i didn't do this today i didn't do this like yeah. i'll do this tomorrow i guess keeping in routine and just you know you know spending time with my girlfriend staff or just having that kind of one-on-one you know put your phone down it is important to kind of just take that back seat, knowing that month leading into a festival show, whatever it might be, it's just going to be go, go, go. You know, you can't get a million emails a day, a million phone calls. People are going to be pulling you here, there and everywhere. But I guess leading up to it, if you can kind of keep into your routine and just having mm-hmm. your regular kind of habits, mm-hmm. yeah, it keeps, you, it keeps you front, I guess. It keeps you sane in, keeps in that sane. lead up. It keeps you sane. Do you remember the moment where you're like, fuck, like shit, like, this is real? Yeah, I think... Um, like doing God's Kitchen, I guess something on a bigger level or knowing something on that. I guess that was cool because that was like my first major event. Yeah. Um, and it sold out really quickly. And I guess, you know, doing the bigger production and knowing I'm like, you know, I think I just looked back and watched the show half the time. Didn't even. <laughs> I'm like, this is the best thing in the world. I love yeah. it. Um, I guess, yeah, that was probably like a, most, a good time knowing that like, yeah, to lo- know that I love what I do and I'm going to keep doing this, you know, I want more and more. So yeah, definitely, definitely in yeah. coming out of school and sort of when you were sort of in uni and, and studying those diplomas on events and festivals and music, did you think that in, in the grand scheme of life in a short period of time that you'd be running? Well, I guess until 2017, so three years ago now, like, did you think that you'd be running a, a brand like ultra bringing that to the country? um not personally no i mean obviously i love doing the smaller shows and, mm. and doing all this kind of stuff but like when i was doing schooling like i was still running the kind of weekly clubs and stuff but but i was going to these festivals i never thought or never dreamt you know until kind of a few more years into it then i thought you know what like we can do this you know at the end of the day like why can't we do this we're selling clubs out what why can't we do this five times over i love it so a little bit of naivety a little bit of naivety just like yeah. oh, let's, let's get out there and make it happen I guess it was a gamble, wasn't it? Like knowing, hey, let's um, true. Let's 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 throw it all on the line. We've been doing this for years now. Let's let's. Well, not? you had track record though, Trey. Like you had you had yeah. the, you had like those years of like we we've done the like the smaller events, the a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. We've sold out nights back to back for who knows how many years. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, like we've made money, 
and we've lost a shitload of money and like you kind of know, well, fuck, that hurts. I'm not going to do that totally. again. Totally. You learn your lessons along the way. Um, you know, every time we learn a lesson, we're like, we're not doing that again. Or, Absolutely. You know, try and reinvent the wheel or something and just didn't work and it's just yeah. trying to be cool or whatever it might be. Or yeah. You think an artist sells and it just doesn't sell. Unfortunately, yeah. like it comes with the it comes with the blows, doesn't it? It's, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, it's the nature oh, of the beast. It's like it's like any business. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you can run a marketing campaign, think it's going to work, and it doesn't. You can bring a whatever it is up to a new offer, new product, new service, whatever it might be. It's 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 like any other business. Like you said, if you're bringing an artist in, it's like having releasing a new product or a new service yeah. to your what you do. Some people are gonna some people are gonna love it. Some people aren't. But it just depends on the timing and and everything that comes with it. I, I love. Uh, my, my biggest takeaway so far is that hustle. It's that grit. It's that never giving up. It's that resilience. It's that I'm just going to make shit happen. I'll yeah. connect with the right people. For you, like, why do you think you made it? Because and, and the only reason, and this is not a, I don't want you to feel awkward. I don't want you, it's not an egotistic thing. But it's like, I can only imagine how many people were in that course that you did. I can only imagine how many other promoters were there when you started at Chasers. I can only imagine how many other promoters are out there for over the last 10 years. Yeah. How did you and your team, and, and I'm speaking to you, so how did more you get to this level? Like, what do you think was that thing? Um, I guess the drive, isn't it? I mean, just knowing and seeing what you wanted. I mean, I love what I do. So I don't wake up and go to work. I mean, yeah, we work and we work hard, but I just love it. I mean, I wake up and I just love being around people. I love the music. I love, yeah. I guess, getting achievements or working on a particular artist for like 12 months and then finally say, yep, getting a contract. It's, I guess they're seeing achievements in, in that kind of aspect and, and that mm-hmm. there. But I guess, yeah i guess I, I love what i do i'm going to continue doing what i love what i do and i'm working around great people and just enjoying life love it i, I just love enjoy it. life like good man you know, i guess people take things serious and i take things very serious in a lot of aspects aspects but i mean i do love i love life i love my friends i love my family you know i love my girlfriend i just love doing what we do and we good do it man. together and i think if you can love what you do you know you're just going to excel at it Totally. I think you better work or do things in a wrong way or you've got that mentality like I can't be fucked or, you know, we all have those days. Don't get me wrong. Have 100%. Time. But I guess 100%. You know, if, if you're just doing a job because of the sake you're doing a job, you're not going to grow personally. Totally. You're going to put in the work 100%. And then you go fucking backwards, man. If you're not yeah. enjoying it, you're not personally growing. It's like, you, what, what, what are you doing? Yeah. I love that, man. Like you said, it's like that drive. It's like that. Yeah, because it's like that energy that, not it, like that not, a nightclub gives you that, like if, if you're a patron or not. But then mm. to actually be behind it, I can only imagine what that feeling is to sort of stand at the back or wherever you stand and be like, fuck, look at all these people here. Look what we've been able to create. Look at the happiness we've been able to provide, bring people together, build relationships with people. Uh, and you've, you've been able to do that for like the blood, sweat and tears, the hours that go into it prior. Man, it's crazy. A um, couple more questions. What was one thing, is there something that someone ever said to you that has really stuck with you? Like, whether it's a piece of advice whether it was a like a negative, not so much an attack, but something negative, or was there something that someone ever said to you that really hit home and something that you draw on more often? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I refer back to, I guess, like with Noah and stuff like that at Marquee and just, I guess, you know, just being with those guys and just hanging around with them. And I guess, you know, I guess understanding that your biggest enemy is yourself, you know, just knowing that, Anyone can do it. Anybody can do a job, but like knowing that you can do it, whether it's your, your knowledge, your, you know, you learn more about your knowledge or you learn more about how did somebody do this and you try and replicate that better or whatever mm. it might be. Mm. But I guess, you know, learning and just knowing and just going, well, there's 10 other people doing what you're doing at the exact same time. 
how do you do it better? Totally. How do you kind of want it mm. to understand that at the end of the day, those 10 other people are going for the same goal. But if you do more knowledge and you do more research and more understanding and take some time to step back, focus it. I do a lot of things on the whiteboard. I write names right. and I'm trying to connect the dots and understand everything. And especially I've done a lot more now. But um, yeah, I guess just like knowledge, isn't it? Knowledge is, mm. knowledge is power. Mm. Yeah, you're right, man. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah, but I guess knowledge is power. Well, like, like you said as well there in regards to the, like the marquee brand, for them to be able to build a national brand, be one of the biggest, one of the known, one of the, you know, like you said, artists respect that. Like they know that if they're going to go to marketing, they're going to get this experience. Like that <laughs> takes some connections, that takes some knowledge, that takes some trust, that takes a lot of getting in, in the trenches. I can only imagine what it would have been like in America where there's probably tenfold the competition as what we have here, you know, <laughs> so for them to be able to, to do that. What would you say is your favorite, most favorite nightclub in the world? Mm. I know you haven't been to them all, so it's yeah. hard to say all nightclubs, but. Um, I mean, I've really, I've never been to Europe, which is kind of crazy, but um, so, I mean, obviously, obviously the Ibiza and all that looks just incredible totally. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, Vegas does things on a whole new kind of level. Um, you know, I've been to a fair few clubs in Vegas and haven't really got a favorite, but I guess, you know, each one's got their own individual, whether it's a pool party, whether it's this, it's like totally. a kind of world. So I guess, I've had a lot of lot of fun overseas and got looked after. And that's one thing that we don't have a lot here: of pool parties. I think it's just we don't have the weather for it. You know, I'm surprised the Gold Coast doesn't do more of it. I mean, we've tried to yeah. do over there, and it just gets shut down. Too many rules and regulations, and it's really, just, yeah, too many fun police over there. <laughs> <laughs> I say it's not like Vegas where anything goes. They, nah, do, they get a pool, they get some bar, they get a place, play some music, and who knows what can happen in those places. Yeah, um, I love it. I love it, Travis. Man, this has been sick. Thank no, you so much. I really no. appreciate your time. Um, this has been incredible. How do, how do people find more about you, see more about what you're doing, follow you on your journey? Um, and then, yeah, get ready for 2021 when we can launch yeah. into these new bigger and better festivals. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, through any of our pages, I mean, everybody can hit me up on my Instagram page, uh, Trav Grek Official. Um, I think there's someone else called Trav Grek and there's another Trav Grek. <laughs> Trav Grek Official. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, anybody that, I'll just, yeah. I mean, so I don't think it's too hard to kind of track me down. Totally. Uh, but I guess anybody can, my, my inbox, my door's always open and I love hearing from people. And, good, yeah. good. Yeah, make sure you guys go and reach out and follow um, Trav on what he's doing. Uh, uh, you know what, man? I think you sold me on the whole festival thing. Yeah. So as, soon as, as soon as doors open and we're allowed to um, do it, uh, I'll definitely have to, get myself a ticket and uh, go and experience it as a patron for sure. Um, there's, there's probably people out there listening out and saying, is this guy serious? He's never been to a festival. I'm like, you know what? I'm telling you now, I've never been to a festival. Um, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll own it. Hey, we'll change that. Don't stress. Absolutely. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. Guys, Travis, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the chat and um, giving some cool, cool insights. Uh, but guys out there, thanks so much for joining in and uh, listening in today to Travis and myself. Have an amazing day. Have a great day. And we will catch you on the next episode. Bye for now. Thanks, brother. Ciao. Thank you for joining us on that episode. What an incredible one it was. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Remember, make today count and be great.